The Toronto Blue Jays are leaving Los Angeles feeling good after a series victory. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 120 of Buds and Blue Jays, your place for all things related to the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm your host, Jesse Burrell, joined as always by Riley McConnell. And today on our show, the Blue Jays finished their road trip with a 3-3 three and three record, including a series win against the NL West leading D- Los Angeles Dodgers. We'll recap some of the things that caught our attention this series, including some wild things happening in our bullpen, strong performances from some offensive players on our roster, and we say goodbye to Trent Thornton at some point in this episode as the Blue Jays made a trade, sending him off our roster, and give some more thoughts on what the Blue Jays should do at the trade deadline this year. But first, Riley, before we get into any of that, what's up, man? How are you feeling after the series win in L.A.? Jesse, this was a, a, a hard-fought series. Heartbreaking loss in Game 2. I went to bed thinking we had it uh, in the bag. Um, we hadn't haven't blown a lead like that in quite some time. In fact, it's been pretty much just over 10 years since we've blown a three-run lead in the ninth inning. But other than that, we did win the series. We came out very, very strong in Game 3 and trounced them 8-1. to one. And, I mean, hey... Won a game in extras in in game one. So, I mean, there's a lot of ball being played, a lot of good baseball. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, where where we gave up our earned runs, I mean, we'll we'll talk about that because that's Mm -hmm. really the only detriment of this, you know, that clutch factor. Sometimes we, and this season, sometimes we haven't got those clutch hits late. And now it seems we kind of didn't get that clutch pitching when we need it late in a ball game, those high leverage situations. Um, And then, Hey, in other situations, Jesse, we get clutch pitching from unlikely sources, unlikely heroes, so to speak. So, I mean, Hey, it had a little bit of everything, man. Uh, All in all. Yeah. We go play a team like the Los Angeles Dodgers. It can surface level. It can feel rather uncomfortable. We know how good that franchise has been over the past decade. So it's great to come out of there with the series win. Yeah, before this series that the Blue Jays were in, um, they had not won a game in L.A. against the Dodgers since Jamie Campbell was doing play-by-play for the team. And that was a long time ago, for those of you who don't know. But first, this is episode 120, and we've been doing little Blue Jays-related themes through numbers of our episodes. And I will say it was kind of tough to get to number 120 this year. The only one I could really find is that is how many number of batted ball events Eric Swanson has given up this year, but doesn't see much. But... I do have our number 120 on our hitter war list and our pitcher war list. And on our hitter war list is a fan favorite of Toronto. That is Mudanori Kawasaki coming in at 120th in career war for the Toronto Blue Jays. And on the pitching side, we have a guy named Cliff Polite who pitched in parts of two seasons with the Toronto Blue Jays in 2002 and 2003. I think he got 16 saves with the team in 2003. So any of those names ring a bell? I know you're a big Kawasaki fan, Riley. Monkey, no Crump. That's right. That's all I've got to say about that, man. What a fan favorite, Jesse. I'll never forget that walk-off hit he had. Oh, Mm -hmm. it was fantastic. Or his post-game interview um, where he he famously said, I'm drunk. Uh, (laughs) It's it's a great soundbite. Uh, if you don't, I I mean, all you would have to do, there's a ton of videos that is Munanori Kawasaki like, like best of he might have played the least amount of games to have the most amount of internet time uh absolutely love that guy great great for this franchise um didn't have a long career but boy did it stick 
You would not be alone in being a fan of Munenori Kawasaki. I still see Kawasaki jerseys at the Rogers Center to this day. But let's get into the series that just happened. Let's get into the game recap. You did kind of touch on it already, but I'll break down to it in further details here. Game one of the series, the Blue Jays win this game 6-3 to three in 11 innings, only the second 11-inning game the Blue Jays had played this year. The Jays got down early. They gave her down two runs going into the fifth. Um, Jose Barrios was actually pitching quite well in this game to give up a few bits of hard contact, but overall his line, five innings pitch, five hits, the four walks were, might've been a little bit of concern for Jose Barrios, but ultimately was able to limit the damage. They got two in the fifth inning, thanks to a Kevin Kiermeyer single and a Vladimir Guerrero jr. Single to tie the game. Both teams scored single runs in the eighth, including a Matt Chapman home run, which was later given up by a Max Muncie home run. And the blue Jays were not able to score the zombie runner in the top of the 10th, but they were also able to hold the zombie runner on their half in the bottom of the 10th. And then we're able to score three into the 11th to get the win. Jordan Romano, who the Blue Jays, I'm sure, didn't want to use in this game, ended up having to come out anyway and was able to work a very clean 11th inning to get his 28th save of the season. Going into game two, this was the heartbreaker you were talking about. The Blue Jays jump out to a 3-2 lead in the top of the third, and it stayed that way until the eighth when both teams scored matching runs. The Blue Jays then broke it open with three in the top of the ninth thanks to a Danny Jansen bases-clearing double off the wall. We thought we were safe. But boy, were we not, as Eric Swanson came in and just did not have it in this game. The Dodgers score four in the bottom of the ninth to tie it. And after the Blue Jays did not score a run in the top of the 10th, the Dodgers got the walk-off run and the Blue Jays lose this game eight to seven. So we needed to rebound and we needed to win the rubber match in game three. And our fifth starter, Yusei Kikuchi, came out and put on a solid, solid performance. One of his best of the season. Six innings pitch, seven hits, two walks, eight strikeouts for Yusei Kikuchi. And ultimately, he only gave up one run over the eight innings. And the Blue Jays offense woke up, finally getting a laugher. It feels like we've been a while since the Blue Jays have had one of these. We had home runs from uh, Kevin Kiermaier, not Kevin Kiermaier, uh, Danny Jansen and uh, Whit Merrifield in this game. And we're able to get it done. And the Blue Jays get a win eight to one in this series. So. After the series, the Blue Jays stand with a record of 57 and 46. We're five and a half games back in the AL East, still in third place. And we are in the third and final wildcard spot, one game behind Houston, four games behind Tampa, a game and a half over Boston and two and a half above the Yankees. So Riley, lots of interesting talking points coming out of the series. Where do you want to go first? Um, right off the bat, Jordan Romano, 28 saves. I feel good about when he comes into the ball game. Yes, didn't necessarily want to use him. That was his only appearance of the series, but it was an impactful one. Picks up the save. Good stuff. Then you have the guy who pitched in front of him before that, and that was Jay Jackson. And mm -hmm. we need to talk about this guy. This guy is a unsung hero. He has done a fantastic job every time he's towed the rubber and he went two innings in this appearance, Jesse. And those were two high leverage innings where he only allowed one base runner while striking out two when the game is on the line. Um, and you know, this guy typically not, you know, there's, there's guys that are predominantly set up and they're guys who are predominantly closers. And then you kind of have your, your mixed bag of rel relief pitchers who, you know, travel from team to team. Jay Jackson is one of those guys, but I'm starting to see how he has pitched in these games. And I mean, Jesse, I'm not crazy for saying this, but he has been one of our best arms when we have used him. And then he came yeah. in and pitched in the eight to one win and struck out three batters and recorded five outs. Uh, he walked, he gave up two base runners. 
uh, just a little bit over a one whip there, which I have no problem with. His numbers on the year with us are fantastic for the amount of time he's put in. But is it a thing where we can stretch his workload a little bit more, knowing, Jesse, that he's gone more than an inning in his last two appearances and has looked great? Um, I mean, or is it a thing where, yes, the guy is a little bit aged, you know, maybe that's as far as we let him go personally, obviously he's a career relief pitcher. Uh, but Jesse, I mean, we had a poor appearance for a guy who shouldn't be, I'll touch on him, you know, maybe a couple pitchers down the line, but Jay Jackson looked excellent. I personally think I'm not saying let him throw three innings or let's start letting him close out ball games, oh, but Christ. I feel good about when he pitches like seventh inning in a close ball game and he's got rest, throw him out there. He's looked absolutely fantastic. The impressive thing about Jay Jackson, too, is not only did he do what you said he did by reading the stat line there, he went through Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Will Smith and was able to get those guys out. Like, those are some of the who's who in the National League and some of the best in the Dodgers lineup. And he did not look overmatched whatsoever. In fact, Riley, going back over his last eight relief appearances, going back to June 5th, 12 innings pitched, three hits, no runs, one walk, 11 strikeouts, Riley. And if you want to remember, he's given up one home run on the year. The only home run that Jay Jackson has given up this year, and you might remember this one, that was the one where Aaron Judge was looking into the dugout, right? And then he sat on the slider and then he hit it into the flight deck. If, like, that was it. That's the, the only home run Jay Jackson has allowed this year. I hate to be this guy, Riley, but I am going to pour a little bit of cold water on the Jay Jackson like take right now. Yes, he's looked good. Yes, he's looked phenomenal. We were surprised when the Blue Jays sent Nate Pearson down and chose to keep Jay Jackson on the roster. But if you look at his numbers in AAA Buffalo this year, it has not been good, Riley. 657 ERA in Buffalo over his 24 and two-thirds innings pitch. So I will say, hey, look, he's done great in the majors so far. I do want to see it go, and I hope the Blue Jays milk it for what it's worth. But it's not going to last, unfortunately, for the rest of the season here. And it might not last, Jesse. And father time will catch up to him eventually. And it won't be that quick, like in the next month, but we milk him for every ounce of baseball he's got left in him. And if he's throwing the ball, well, then we use him. You got to go with the guy that's hot, especially when it comes to relief pitchers. Yeah. If there's, if there's like two consecutive flow ups, then we reassess, we readjust, and go from there. But as of right now, he's been one of our best. And I'll throw out two other names, just talking yeah, about please. the bullpen for other guys who have been great. Uh, uh, Jimmy Garcia, for one, has been absolutely fantastic. And also Tim Meza, mm -hmm. who has had terrific numbers. I think this is Tim Meza's best season. Um, Longtime Blue Jay, obviously, um, He's been absolutely fantastic, the pair of them. And um, we got another lefty, Jesse, who also had, I mean, his first two appearances in this series. And what do we think? I personally thought he did quite well. Um, good little, good breaking pitch, good pitch mix. Yeah, you can tell that the, the control won't always be there. But for what it's worth, yes, we're facing the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yes, it's his first time in a new uniform. So, I mean, I think you take a big plus with what Yenesis Cabrera did. Yeah, those three guys. I'm going to start with Jimmy Garcia here. Over his last 15 games, Riley, 135 ERA, 0.83 whip. The FIP is even worse or even better than his ERA. A 501 OPS allowed. 
he has turned his season around dramatically and is looking a lot like that back end of the bullpen guy we thought he was coming into the season. I also want to touch on Tim Meza. You said he's having his best ERA of his career by far, which is true. He did give up a home run in this series to J.D. Martinez. It was the first home run he's allowed all year. Not bad getting into July. But his 107 ERA, Riley, is on pace to be the best ERA by a reliever in franchise history, Riley. Better than what B.J. Ryan did in 2006. Better than what Aaron Sanchez did in 2014. Tim Meza is on pace to be even better than that. And you talked about Genesis Cabrera, Riley. I will say I'm impressed. We talked about what should we expect from this guy, and we thought, hey, the walks are going to be high, but the stuff looks good. I thought it was an easy 95, 96. I'm pretty sure he touched up to 98 at 1.2. The slider got several swings and misses on it, too. Like This guy's going to be a perfect compliment. And even just his mantra on the mound, his confidence and how he looks walking around, it looks like he's going to be a good fit. And if he's not walking, guys, and he can harness that good stuff i think the blue jays just got themselves another weapon out of the uh, bullpen here and it can only be good things for the playoff hopes going forward well if you want to talk about what he's done so far three innings pitched and zero walks to start his blue jays career those are That'll numbers that are, yeah. that are looking all right so far to start it off what are numbers that don't Look good, Jesse. Where yeah. did we go wrong in this mm-hmm. series? And I talked about it. There was the collapse. When you blow a lead, where do f- fingers start to point? And the, my first finger goes and points. And Mr. Eric Swanson, sadly, a guy who I still have faith in, a guy who I still trust to take the ball in the eighth inning. But yes, sadly, they've been tarnished a little bit. When I see the other arms pick it up, pick their seasons up, when I see other success come from other arms, and then you see Eric Swanson uh, give up, you know, basically the ball game. I mean, yes, Mitch White allowed the runners to, but those runs are charged to to Swanson. And, you know, he, he did not get the job done in game two, and we really like we, we suffered from it we gave up we gave up a home like a walk-off uh well walk-off double or whatever it was walk-off we gave up a walk-off like mm-hmm. we you know we we blew the ball game and it was yes it was mitch white but mitch white you know we can we have no excuses for him mitch white shouldn't be on this 26 man roster that's my opinion i'm sure i'm not the only one who feels that uh, but I, I, you know, but it's on, I, I think it's on Eric Swanson. He, he, he blew the game for us. I agree. Eric Swanson too has been so good to start the year, but I guess with reliever performance, this is how it goes. Riley, he has now not had a clean inning, like a clean one, two, three in like, I think it's 13 of his last 14 appearances, something along the lines of that. I may be off by a game or two, but it's been base runners galore every single time Eric Swanson has been into the game. His ERA on the season is now up over three, five, three. And, you, you know, the slider or that's not the slider. The splitter is still a very good pitch for him. He is getting his whiffs. He is doing good things. But sometimes, you know, that fastball is just getting hit a little more than you want to. And I feel stressed lately when Eric Swanson pitches and, you know, baseball is a stressful game. I think it's time, especially because the Blue Jays have other good options. Like we've been seeing Trevor Richards use more in late inning situations. I think it's time to move Eric Swanson out of that eighth inning role. Let him come in in the sixth a little bit. Let him come in in the seventh just to get that confidence back so we can get back to that dominant arm we know he can be. I have no problem making adjustments like that, Jesse. Um, especially, hey, I have I, 
yes, Garcia is really doing a good job salvaging his season. I, If we had to switch it up for a series or whatever, we got two lefties now. Depending on the order, we could have a righty set up, a lefty set up. Um, like, there's, there's lots of ways you can go with this, man. And, yeah, it's, it, it's a situation for Swanson where, I mean, he's just – He's just kind of had a bad stretch, but um, it, it is subject to change. I'm sure. Uh, is this going to be his worst season? Like, I don't think so. It's not going to be his best. I think he's just got you know got stung a little bit, and it ended up where he's under he's under fire right now because of when it was in the ball game and who it is and the the leverage it is. And I mean, it sucks. Yes, all eyes are on him. He didn't single-handedly lose us the ball game, but certainly four and runs charged your line in an innings pitch is going to, you know, that's going to draw a lot of attention, man. Yeah. And uh, one note on Mitch White before we move on to our offensive side of the ball. If you can't trust this guy to pitch in late innings of ball games, then you can't trust this guy on your roster at all. I tweeted this out, but I kind of wish the Blue Jays would just admit, hey, you traded a top 100 prospect for Mitch White. It didn't work. Just move on. It's time. Like, I'm refusing to see what they see in Mitch White. Spin rates are down. Velocity is down, Riley. He's only thrown 12 and two-thirds innings pitched, Riley. But I looked up the Blue Jays' expected run value on pitches per 100 pitches thrown. Mitch White's fastball in that 12 innings he's thrown is the second worst individual pitch on the Blue Jays all year. The only pitch, individual pitch, that has been worse has been Adam Simber's slider. And on the, like, so, like, he's... His stuff has been worse than Alec Manoa's stuff this year. And we've talked all season about how bad Alec Manoa's stuff has been. That is awful for Mitch White. He is not a major league pitcher as far as I'm concerned. I would be shocked if he survives past the trade deadline. And just the flip side on that list, just because I thought it was cool, the top three best individual pitches on run value per 100 pitch thrown. We talked about how Adam Simber's slider was the worst. Well, his sinker is actually the best. So that's good. He's got two things. Bowden Francis's curveball ranks well. And number three on that list, Riley, Jay Jackson's slider. So I guess there is some good stuff there. So any thought on that real quick before we head on to the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, real quick. Jay Jackson slider. I love it. Mm-hmm. I'm not like you said, don't buy too much into Jay Jackson. But for the meantime, what he's done is very important for this team. Man, we're knocking on the door of August and we got Jay Jackson you know, going two innings in, in a ball game. And basically, you know, that's setting us right up for success, man. So, I mean, kudos to him. I mean, great series pitch for Jay Jackson. I, hey, we mentioned everyone else, but I mean, for Jay Jackson, I just want to, you know, that's basically, if you want to say a thumbs up, he gets a huge one for me, man. Yeah, well, the Blue Jays did score 21 runs in this series, which meant they must have had some offensive fire from somewhere, Riley. Who was your offensive player that really caught your attention the most this series? Well, I mean, there's different ways we could go. Um, I'm not going to start with the most obvious one, but mm-hmm. I'm going to do like kind of a to- I to- and I told you so. And that was we went on here and, you know, said Bo Bichette being over his last 17. And uh, a uh, intelligent individual said, well, he could pop off at any time and get a four game <laughs> uh, night or a four hit night. And in the losing effort, he did exactly that, Jesse. Um, I mean, yeah, anytime Bobachet's at the dish, he has the opportunity and, you know, the, the ability to get hits and timely hits. And he had a three hit performance and he had a four hit performance. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm not going to say I told you so, but there's good ways to break out of slumps. And that's one of them. 
Those, that's how you draw your average back up. What does it take to have a good batting average? You look at players like Ichiro and Tony Gwen. You just to name two, like Hall of Fame players, by the way, um, on what it takes to get a lot, a lot of hits and high averages. That's not going on 0 for 17 slumps and having m- many games where you have three hits. I mean, four hits is a pretty rare thing, but th- you look at how many three hits games players like that had. Bo Bichette is nowhere near that company yet. However, like you want to oh, talk nice. about a, you want to talk about a guy who is probably the most capable of having multi-hit games around the entire MLB. I'm going to say it. Around the entire MLB, you put a bet on a game for a player to hit more than one, have more than one hit in a game. Just any player in the MLB that a multi-hit game. I'm going with Bulbashet. I am going with Bulbashet. It, yeah. it just seems like it was about time. Obviously, he's going to snap it at some point, and he did it in this series against LA. Four hit followed up by a three hit performance. I mean, what else can you say, man? This is Bulbashet we're talking about. I mean, it's either him or it's Luis Arise of the Marlins, right? If you just need a hit, it's those two names, and that might be the top tier of your list. Bulbashet is truly one of the top contact hitters in the game. And Riley, I don't know if you remember back in 2019 in his rookie year, the last time the Blue Jays were in LA. Bobachet had a multi home run game against Clayton Kershaw. Bobachet was made for the spotlight and the big times. And I hope we get to see more of it in the postseason this year. Bobachet was not the only offensive player to have seven hits in this series. Whit Merrifield did it as well, Riley. And we've just continued talking about the good things that Whit Merrifield has done here. He had another home run, a three run home run in this series. And if you look over his last three weeks, Riley, 22 hits, four home runs. 379, 413, 603. That's an OPS over 1,000 for the last three years of Whit Merrifield. And he congrat- he hit his um, 1,000th career game played in this series. So congratulations to Whit Merrifield. He is now third on the Blue Jays, trailing only George Springer and Brandon Belt. Hell of a career. Hell of an addition Whit Merrifield has been. He even hit leadoff in the games that uh, George Springer did not play. Just a core piece of this team. I don't really have much else to say. Just thankful for your production, Whit Merrifield. I'm glad that we get to talk about Merrifield in in episodes like this when we do have these offensive explosions, you know, 21 runs in three games, that's seven runs a game. And Whit Merrifield, yes, still in the single digits for home runs, but the power as of late has been there. And the the times he gets on base, he's he is a contributor. Our third most veteran, third most service time on the team. Whit Merrifield's been in the league, and he knows what it takes to be that kind of ball player. There, we kind of fell off, you know, towards the last couple of years with the Casey Royals, but I'm really seeing a kind of a resurgence in his game. Mm, I don't too. think the, the power isn't as, as much as, as much as it was. And you know that he's not going to have as many steal attempts or successful stolen bases, but, and I'm going to add something else for being a second baseman forever and, and playing left field. I mean, I thought he did a fantastic job in, in left field. Yeah. Um, there was a play where he kind of made a leap and, and caught it. There was another one. And I'll say the attempt was good. He kept the ball in front of him. It was a short hop that he kept into his glove. Uh, if you if you picture a, a right, uh, you know, a right-handed thrower sliding towards a ball and that ball kind of coming up, but him making a clean fielding attempt and then getting the ball in quickly. Uh, as a corner outfielder myself, 
and you too now, Jesse, Me making the adjustments. Uh, those those are like, you know, you feel good about keeping that ball in front of you. Yes, a sliding catch will be great, but keeping that ball in front of you is the most important thing to do in that situation. So even that in, in Witt's game, just adding more um, to what already tools this guy has and the fact that, yeah, I mean, he's not a, he's not a slugger by any means. But he's been getting on base, and yeah, there's the uh, there's the chance that he goes deep, and he did it again in this series, man. I know it's it's not it was few and far between, but now we're seeing it more and more. I mean, double digits on the season for Wit would be a great, great. I, I mean, I would like he's to see him to hit ten. That, yep. I would like to see him hit ten, man. And there's a really if he's on pace. There's a really good chance he does it. I mean, this guy has to be in our lineup, and he is. The fact that he's hitting at the top of the order and has done so and done so successfully, I'm I'm very okay with with, with what with what Witt has done for this team, man. A great, great addition when we got him, and still I'm still sticking to that man. He's done fantastic in another good series. Baseball IQ is one of those things you can't necessarily teach, and Whit Merrifield oozes it, which is a very good skill to have. One more offensive player, Riley, and we got to move through the rest of them here quickly, is Danny Jansen was great again. We thought he would have the big hit in game two with his bases clearing double. Also hit a home run in this series. He is 10th on the team in plate appearances, Riley, but third on the team in RBIs, trailing only Vladimir Guerrero and Bo Bichette. And 22 of his 44 RBIs, Riley, this year have come in the seventh inning or later. Danny Jansen is clutch. We need him in the lineup more more, more, more. I am not kidding when I say he is probably one of our best hitters, if not one of our top three best hitters. Get him in the lineup more. Quick, like 30 seconds or less on Danny Jansen, Riley. You show me 140 games, he'll show you 20 home runs. Danny Jansen is an elite elite power hitting catcher, man. I mean, yes, we have a guy by the name of Alejandro Kirk, but Danny Jansen, man, so good, so clutch. He just, you can't, I mean, he's been in our system forever. I wish he he could get more plate appearances, man, because when he's in the lineup, when he's healthy, the impact he makes is tremendous. Yep, good stuff. Um, Those three Blue Jays that we mentioned all hit home runs in this series. The one that we have yet to mention was Matt Chapman, who had a big home run in uh, game two of that series, or maybe it was game one of the series as well, but he hit it to the right center field again, which I love to see because that's what Matt Chapman was doing a lot of early in the year. He was really driving that ball to right center field. It's a good stroke. Keep an eye on that. Keep a note of that and see how he progresses this homestand coming up to see if Matt Chapman is doing more of that. And Riley, we got to talk about a little bit of our starting pitching. Three pitchers went in this series. Jose Barrios, Chris Bassett, Yusei Kikuchi. I think we had a mixed bag. I talked about in our game recaps the start Yusei Kikuchi put together. It was probably one of his best of the season. Chris Bassett, I thought actually pitched pretty well, but the Dodgers were fouling balls off like crazy. So you look at the four walks and the six strikeouts. That was a lot of deep counts worked up by the Dodgers, but I want to give Chris Bassett a lot of credit for working through that, only giving up the two earned runs over five innings, giving his team a good chance to win. And then Jose Barrios in the starter, you know, five innings pitch, five hits. The four walks, again, were an issue. He impressed me, I guess, the least out of the three pitchers we had in this series. But if this is what your bad start is going to be, at least it's not the seven earned run, eight earned run series that we saw last year, keeping the Dodgers to two over five innings, just like I said for Chris Bassett, that'll work. So a quick thought on the starting rotation in this series, Riley. Yeah, I mean, we got our best start out of the game three starter and our worst start out of the game one starter. And it's funny that we won that game. Barrios started. I think he got lucky because the Dodgers decided to leave runners on base. Um, anytime you walk more guys in to strike out and go five innings, you're probably going to get it, get into a little bit of trouble. 
Um, yeah, Chris Bassett had it through a ton of pitches. Didn't stay in the ball game. Um, we give it we give it up and go into the bullpen, and we know what happens from there. Late in the ball game, we blow a lead. Kikuchi though was absolutely tremendous. I mean, his his fastball still looking great, and his you know his his breaking pitch that is you know just about touches ninety, and then his low eighties breaking ball um, were mixing great. Uh, with his fastball. I mean, they play off each other so well. And yes, I said it last time, the last time he started, have more confidence confidence in your fastball. Vocation looked great. I mean, two walks, but it's Yusei Kikuchi. If you go six innings and walks two batters, I'm more than okay with that, yeah, especially too. with eight punch outs. This is, you know, not, is it his best start of the year? I mean, off the top, probably not. But if this is a typical Yusei Kikuchi start, Sign me up. Even, even you know, giving up seven hits, the Dodgers, the Dodgers, you know, off the top left a lot of runners on base in this series, which is fine. And when it comes down to it, we'll call the clutch gene real for a second. You could say that when, you know, runners were on in a two-out situation, Yusei Kikuchi recorded an out, whether that's, you know, um, via the field or a punch out at the plate. He got the job done. And that's what matters. And, you know, through six innings, a great Yusei Kikuchi start, man, as far as I'm concerned. Yep. Some minor news and notes here in this series. Don Mattingly got ejected for the first time this season. Don Mattingly, who spent a lot of time with the Dodgers, maybe wanted to take it personal against his old team. Chad Green pitched another cleat inning for the Dunedin Blue Jays. Ten pitches, eight strikes, one hit, one strikeout. Topped out at 94.9 miles per hour. Still a few more minor league appearances to go until Chad Green is ready, but he is coming. And the Blue Jays made a trade. Riley, when we uh, acquired Genesis Cabrera, we had to DFA Trent Thornton, which meant we had 10 days to either trade him or to send him to the minors or outride him or have him declare free agency, whatever it is may be. And we ended up swinging a trade. We traded him to the Seattle Mariners and we got a player named McCoy. Last name McCoy here. Um, Don't remember his first name. I'm sorry. Oh, yes. Mason McCoy. That's the one. And here's a little scouting report on him. He's 28. He slashed 234, 334.07 while recording 32 extra base hits and driving in 55 across 87 games for AAA Tacoma this season. He's five foot one, 185 pounds. He was a six-round pick of the Orioles back in 2017. Over the course of his minor league seasons, he's batted about 260 while playing in 632 games. He is a very He's got some power. He's got some speed. I think he stole about 20 stolen bases this year. He is like a power speed type. The WRC plus has not been there. The strikeouts have been a little high. He is 28 and he'll be a career minor leaguer at this point. So my only thought about this trade, Riley, is this is now another middle infielder that is joining the Buffalo Bisons. And we are deep into trade series now as the trade deadline's less than a week away now, Riley. That brings like Otto Lopez, Davis Schneider, Adam or Elvis Martinez is now in Buffalo. Um, Addison Barger has been lighting it up for the Buffalo Bison. Spencer Horowitz is still in that infield. Otto Lopez is still in that infield. There are a lot of infielders now in what is a crowded Buffalo Bison's infield. My question is, does this move mean we are going to trade one of those infielders from Buffalo? Or what is your take of the falling out of this trade here? Okay. The psycho GM in me that likes, Jesse, you love upside with prospects and i get i get that but here's my thought if you want if you want crazy gm riley and you spit those names and i see a team that's trying to make a bid for the playoffs and i see a guy like a ralvis martinez 
and we could possibly flip him for someone very good, very impactful. And yes, it might only be a rental piece, but Jesse, I mean, there's a lot of guys on the market right now who could fit bills. And there's a lot of teams that would pick up or Elvis Martinez uh, for sure. And we could, we could get a really quality starting pitcher for him. I'm just saying this Probably won't happen. That's not how it's going to go down. That is what I see. If you want to talk about what we need versus what we could possibly give up, there's your one for one as far as the depth in there. Yeah, like someone, someone's probably going to move or someone's going to get sent down like uh, Otto Lopez to double A. I don't know how I don't know how they would decide that. Um, whether that's age or, you know, thing like the seniority thing, minor league baseball is kind of a zoo guys making a push. Yes. Your teammates with the guys, but also it's a, it's a race. You're competing for a, a major league spot. If you're a prospect, unless you're a drew Maggi, who's a career minor leaguer at right. uh, in his, in his mid thirties. And you kind of have it made like that. But if you're a young guy, you're trying to make a push for double A, then you're going triple A, then the majors. So whoever gets sent down will probably be a young guy or whatever, whatever they decide to do, Jesse. Um, I don't think, you know, it's, it's July 27th. We still have a, a few days before the, the actual deadline. It would not surprise me if one of these infielders was moved. Yep, and that's what I'm thinking as well. So keep a name on that as the Blue Jays try to make additions to the roster here. We talked on our last episode about players we wanted to get, things we wanted to see. I don't think our opinion has changed on any of that. Go back and check out that episode if you want to hear some names of who the Blue Jays should acquire. Riley, we are running to the end of the episode here, but we did want to touch on the Angels that are coming into town now. They just announced that they are not trading Shohei Otani. In fact, they just made a big trade with the White Sox to get Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez. They are going for it. And the Blue Jays currently are in that third and final wildcard spot. And the Angels, three and a half games back on our tails, Riley. Shohei Otani will not pitch in this series as his start was pushed today. And he actually threw a complete game against the Tigers. Um, so we will avoid him on the pitching side, but we will still have to face him on offense, Riley. Uh, what are your thoughts on this series coming up against the Angels? Not only did he pitch a complete game, it was a one-hitter. Yeah. Multiple wow. multi, <laughs> multiple walks, uh, a ton of strikeouts, but a one-hitter. I just want to throw that out there. Um, what do I, like, man, this is a, re anytime you face the Los Angeles Angels, you like you're you have two of the best players in the world, if not the two best players in the, in the world. I mean, I'm, I'm less high on Mike Trout than I was <laughs> Three or four years. He's hurt ago. right now, anyway, Honestly. so we won't see him. Yeah, but for the the Blue Jays and how they've played as of late, I think that you know this is a this is a LA Angels team that we can take. And I mean, depending on who they throw, is Ronaldo Lopez or Giolito like the top starters? Now they're they're B tier starters for me. When we got a guy like Kevin Gosman, who's an A tier guy. And we've had, you know, a really good supporting cast around. And Jesse, our offense has been fantastic. And the the Angels, if it's if it's not Shohei, I know that for a fact that there's a good chance they'll have two left-handers throwing for them, Detmers and Santa Ball. So I mean, we could we could end up hitting around with the power right-handers we have in our lineup. Man, could be very interesting to see. And we go back home too, so that's always good as well. I like it, but the Angels are desperate, and I never like running up against a desperate team because you never know. 
what might happen against a series like that. But either way, it'll be good to be back home cheering on the Blue Jays in front of home company after a long West Coast road trip. I always find, too, that first series home after a West Coast road trip, the Jays always seem to struggle. So don't be a surprise if they only win one or maybe two out of the games in this series, Riley. Um, That'll do it for episode here today, though. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. A big one today. A lot of stuff going on. If you guys at home have a thought on the bullpen moves or the pitching performances that we saw here or maybe a thought on the trade deadline, who do you think is going to be traded off of this roster? Leave a comment down below. Hello, Riley and I will interact with you on there. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We did just throw up a TikTok about the Blue Jays trade deadline and some possible names they could acquire. So go make sure you check that out as well. And Riley, anything else to add before we call ourselves an episode here today? Jesse, it's, you know, it's crunch time. We're getting down to almost the nitty gritty and it's a great time to string together some wins. This is, hey, we won two, we won two out of three against the Dodgers. Let's take two out of three against the other team from Los Angeles and kind of run from it from there. I mean, it's we're I like what I've seen uh, as of late for this club, and I really hope the offense picks up. I'd like to see some more Varsho. I'd like to see more power Me from because I know the contact isn't going to come really. And Vladdy, it's about time that he's had another monster series. Um, other than that, man. Bo, Witt, keep stringing together hits. And um, uh, Kevin Gosman, masterful performance. Whether that's on the way in the next appearance or the one after, the one after that, it's it's going to happen eventually where he just, you know, throws a masterpiece, a uh, three-hit complete game or something like that. And uh, I hope our bullpen holds it together as well, man. Uh, we got, uh, you know, this is an important series, Jesse. We're fighting for playoff spots. And, yeah, the Angels are hungry. The Angels are desperate. When Kevin Gosman throws a shutout, you heard it here first from Riley McConnell here on Buds and Blue Jays. We'll see you guys after the series. Big weekend coming up. Let's go Blue Jays. Thanks, guys.